1: From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your host, Steve Politti, and Rutgers Insiders, Keith Sargent and James Cratch. Let's start shopping. All
2: right, hello everybody, Steve Politti back from NJ Advance Media, another Rutgers Rant. This uh, We got a lot to talk about in this one, fellas. <laughs> Keith Sargent, James Cratch, joining me as always... <sighs> Uh, Fun trip to Ann Arbor, we'll tell some road trip stories because people love to hear about our our travels when they go wrong, (laughs) and they did a few times. Uh, But guys, let's start here. If I had told you that A, Rutgers would outrush Michigan by 80 yards, and B, Rutgers would hold Michigan scoreless in the second half, you probably would have expected a W. Instead, it's a 20-13 to loss, a difficult loss. I mean, when you look at it now, are are you – do you come out of this one, crash feeling more encouraged about the Scarlet Knights you did a week ago? Or are you, like – I mean, like they were, like the players were, uh, lamenting a missed opportunity?
0: Well, first, I think you obviously have to look at the way the players and Greg Ciano and and his coaching staff looked at it. They should – they could have beaten Michigan on Saturday in the Big House. Maybe they should have beaten Michigan. And not only that, but – there was a point early game where I thought they were going to get run out of the place. You know, it was 14-3. The Avalanche was – you know, it was like every game – a lot of these games we've covered in the past. The Avalanche was, was shaking up on the top of the mountain. It was about to come right down. Uh, and it didn't. And I think because Rutgers, um, somewhat surprisingly to me – It wasn't complicated. They just started playing winning football. They just started blocking people and getting off their blocks and making good plays. And Sean Gleason called an excellent offensive game. And Rob Smith, I think, made some good adjustments with the run game, bringing, you know, stunts and blitzes and everything. I understand the push by a lot of fans, and we're going to discuss this later, that, you know, this is amazing. Look how far they've come. But, you know, they they lost to Michigan in triple overtime last year. Yeah. and a game they should have won. That 17-point lead. They almost rallied from a 17-point deficit in this game. Probably should have won the game. Dominated the second half. So my thing is, at what point do we stop the participation trophy – uh, period of the rebuild like they've almost beaten Michigan they've lost to Michigan by a touchdown two years in a row now right like yeah. at some point I feel like we have to stop like judging them based on the ash era or the end of the that, flood era.
2: and that's exactly what Isaiah Pacheco said and it's funny because I walked up like, to him with the, with the participation trophy question I'm like do you feel like this proves you can compete and he looked at me and said well we did that last year and that's exactly yeah. what he said yeah you know I mean
0: they, were, they, were, they played nine games last year and they were competitive in eight of them except for the Penn State game You know, like right (laughs) they've been competitive every game so like that's for me like look it's promising I think this team is a lot better than I expect they were going to be you know I'm I still have some questions about them but yeah I I think it's been very impressive through the first four games they just went toe-to-toe with a Michigan team that I I've got ranked 10th in the country in my AP ballot this week they're really good that being said I feel like we like and I will say this the players and the coaches deserve to be treated like a Big Ten team that can contend with anyone, so right. I think the, the 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 sunshine and gumdrop days have to be over from this right. point and, forward.
2: And sorry, jumping here, but I mean, well, I think what I think I'm going to predict what impressed you the most was just the fact in that second half of the game when you're looking at a, a game in the trenches, it was Rutgers that was winning. Both sides. I mean, they were, they were doing well on, on the defensive line. They were, they were getting good push, good, good running game, uh, you know,
1: established the run against Michigan on the offensive line. I didn't see that one coming, and that's a really good sign. I came out of it thinking two words. If you remember on a, on a dry back at, or out of coming out of the press box, I said seven, seven and five, or that might be three words actually. Um, but seven and five <laughs> is realistically on the table. If they can survive the next two games, which is no easy feat, you know, remember Ohio state, Michigan state, you know, might be the two uh, best teams left on their schedule. Northwestern winnable, Illinois, certainly w- winnable. It might be favored in that game. Um, and maryland uh you know and you know even indiana could be uh, could be winnable as well so um certainly uh seven to five and the reason why i say seven to five is, is attainable is because they look like a big ten team you know the, the one question that we've had for really since they the inception of, of them being in the big ten is you know when are they going to be able to catch up with the other big ten teams and play big ten football you know in the trenches which is what the big ten is known for well now they look like it um, but again, I mean the caveat is next uh, two games are going to be pretty brutal, and um, you know I think uh, if they could survive that from an injury standpoint, they have a very good chance to go to a ball game.
2: All right, let's focus on a couple of things that happened in the game. Obviously, you know fans were—I uh, think the word I would use was unhappy—that uh, I focused on the fourth and ten call, and I, you know, I. I guess when you look at it, it didn't cost them the game in, the, in hindsight. It did hand them three points. Uh, I just still go back to it. I just don't understand. And I didn't, you know, I didn't find many people who I trust in the press box or around the team who really kind of understood it. It's fourth and 10, Michigan 44, 26 seconds left. You know, NFL teams convert that at 30%, right? Uh, you know, Rutgers is not an NFL team. They hadn't. I don't think they had a ten-yard play at the time. And it's funny. We were in the we were in a bar after the game, and we ran into a couple of fans, which is the best part about it going on the road. Is you still run into people, you still have conversations. We missed this last year. People, you get a good filter from people who had seen it, and they have got perspectives. And there was one really dedicated fan, and his question to us was like, "Is this a sign that you know, like Greg Schiano has kind of lost his mind? He, he was like, he was worried that this was proof that this is going to come up again, and it's not. I really do not think that this is a sign that you know Schiano is going to be doing." reckless fourth and 10 calls even he admitted it was a mistake cratchy went back and watched the film you're not so sure it was a mistake but you were you did think there was another fourth down that they should have uh punted on uh, give me your thoughts on it
0: you were on the, the the last fourth down try right well yeah. both of them yeah, okay. yeah so i'll start here's my thing i thought live the the fake you know the the pacheco sneak thing i thought it was a brilliant play call um, less, I think, still think it's a good one. I'm less enamored with it after reviewing the film. I, I think that was an execution issue. I still think that even if Pacheco, had, if he had fielded the snap cleanly, I still think he may have gotten the first down because there was enough of a sliver of daylight. Was Troy Rainey had a good block to his right. that they, they kinda, Everyone was crashing down on Krim, and I still think he could have fallen forward for it. Um, the fourth and 10 call, I understand it. I'm not really bent out of shape about it. I don't think Rutgers approached it terribly well in the sense that first and second down didn't really seem to have any urgency, let a lot of time run off the clock. And then on third down, they had a, you know, seven got max protect. They've got all three receivers to the right side. They've got vegetable. It's like they, they cut the field in half. And I think it's comes back to what we discussed last week on the pod those max protect packages worked really good well against Delaware. Michigan's defensive backs are much better. So you're rolling Vengel to the right on third and 10. He's got three guys all on the same side of the field. They're all blanketed and complete pass. It just almost felt like they were planning to punt. And then after third down, you know, Greg Shiano was like, Hey, we're going for it. And then Sean Gleason suddenly had to draw something up and it wasn't a bad play. You know, it was there a little bit behind Bo Melton, but again, Michigan defensive back right on top of him not a high percentage play uh, the one fourth down the, the one you mentioned the last one I'm bringing up right now so it's fourth and two from the Michigan 38 524 left in the game 2013 they bring in Langan they go for it he gets a yard uh, Michigan then goes down the field misses the field goal but eats up three and a half minutes I really think Rutgers should have punted there you've only got one timeout left at the time you know Adam Corsack is the best punter in America this is what he excels and pinning people deep and your defense is forced four straight three and outs they are dominating the game so punt there put them on the one they're going to be conserved they were conserved the entire second half you're going to get the ball back with a little bit more time and a chance to win the game with the ball in your hand i really thought they should have punted there uh, they didn't i think that was a missed opportunity
1: I, I have to jump in here because there was uh, like there's no way you should have punted there with, with, with uh, whatever time. <laughs> there's you no way. You have to give yourself you're two yards away from getting a first down. They would have punted there. Uh, I, I, I would have you know, it would it would have been appalling to, to punt there. Two first downs win the game and you you said the key word. They had one timeout at that point. You know, I mean, yeah, the defense was playing uh, a a good football at that point, but all it would have taken was two first downs, and the game's over. And you had a shot two yards away to get the first down. That there's no way you punt there in that situation. The other thing is, I think you're just analyzing it too much on on uh, the setup. I agree. Uh, you know, I, I I you know I understand your point, but you know, in that situation, fourth and ten. The percentage of getting that first down, like Politi said, is less than 30%. You know what's going to happen. You're down two touchdowns. Of course, that pins the ball inside the 10. Michigan kneels on the ball. You go in halftime, down two touchdowns. You get the ball first in the second half. You know, you're giving Michigan a short field to go down and kick a field goal. They they really should have t- got a touchdown and probably iced the game, but you know they it, you know they settled for the field goal. But it, essentially you're giving three points away. There's no way you go forward on fourth down and ten in that situation. Just none.
2: All right. So, sorry you, you've been around a lot, and I got a lot of texts about this. Like here, here we go, typical Greg Schiano game day coaching. I don't really think that's fair, uh, given last year. I really didn't feel at all last year that there was a game where I thought. You know, that that there were some time management or, or or game management issues. Did you think that this was, you know, looking back, looking at it now that this was a, an example of him doing it poorly throughout the entire game and, and fans should be concerned?
1: No um look I mean th- those two calls I mean I just you know said I I, I think you know the one yeah you, you had to punt there I, you had to uh, go for it there and then the other one uh you had to punt you know the first you know, the first one being being don't go for on fourth and ten in that situation don't give Michigan an opportunity to score three points kick it go to halftime down two touchdowns but right. that being said you know there's 90 pl- you know there's 180 plays in that game and I don't think you give Greg enough credit for the adjustments that they made after, you know, Michigan goes down 17 plays. There's adjustments that he made at that point. He, Rob Smith, and, and you know, at, at that point that, you know, are just, you know, incredible. So um, to, to say that, you know, I think it was a really good uh, job of coaching by, by the entire staff, including Greg overall. We're going to in any game you're gonna, gonna say well what about that call what about that call that's healthy as a football fan you know as a you know as a uh, as a you know reporter covering this it's healthy to uh, you know critique those types of calls but overall the body of work Siano and his staff did a really good job in that game.
2: All right, we're going to dive back into a lot more aspects of this game, but first I want to go to True or False because we I cover a lot of it in True or False this week, so uh, you know the rules. True or false to the next ten or so topics. True or false. Rutgers is the football team we saw in the second half against Michigan. Crash, true or false? True. Sarge? True. All right. True or false. Rutgers is the team we saw in the first half against Michigan. Guess you gotta true. go false. You gotta true there. You go good. I was wondering if you're gonna do that. Okay, true. True. Yeah, that's what makes it interesting, right? It is it is hard hard to predict what you're gonna see. Uh, true or false. In the big picture, Greg Schiano and his staff outcoached Jim Harbaugh. True. True. Yeah, you know, and it is funny. I go true as well when you think about the strategy in the second half and how Harbaugh did not respond to it at all. Uh, true or false? Noah Vedrill survives all 12 games without an injury. Cratch, true or false? True. Okay. Wow. Okay. Sarge?
1: That'd be tough kid. True.
2: I, I tell you, I think he's a tough kid, too, but I'm going false just based on the way he is running that ball now. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, true or false, the Rutgers offensive line actually might be better with freshman Troy Rainey. Cratch, you did the film review. True or false? He played really well, but I'm going to say false. Losing Reggie Sutton
0: is a devastating, devastating right. blow for this team.
1: Sarge, true or false? Cratch is our resident offensive yeah. line expert. He's broken it down incredibly well the last two weeks in those film reviews. Um, I'm going to, you know, say whatever Cratch said and fa- say false.
2: I'll say false as well, but, Jimmy, i just surprised at how well he played given the situation. All right, a second technical question, true or false? The secondary didn't miss a beat without Max Melton. True.
0: I thought they played well. True.
2: true. Sarge? True. True. I, there were a couple breakdowns, though, but I don't know if that, was, that would have been the cornerback's fault, but I, I will go true as well. All right. Uh, true or false? This was the best Rutgers, the uh, best the Rutgers defense has played in a Big Ten game since 2014. Cratch. True.
1: Sarge. Whew. Um, I'd have to go back and, and, and look. I, my my instinct says false. False. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there aren't
2: many examples, but I'm going to go true now. It, it certainly uh, uh, there aren't too many good, good other kind of comparisons. Uh, true or false? Cras- crashing the victory formation. Sound football strategy. Crash. True or false? False. Sarge. <laughs> <laughs>
1: false.
2: False. Yeah. False. Uh, okay. We'll just, we'll just leave that there. Uh, and finally, true or false, letting Cratch get the rental car. What could go wrong?
1: Sarge, why don't you take that one? True or false? <laughs> I give him, look, I try to do it in, in the, uh-huh. the, the rental car place. So I'm going to say, um, you know, I can't, I can't get on my, my beat partner, you know, in, in this one, Politi. Okay. All
2: right. Well, good. Cause I, I can. And this is the set to see him folks. You know, we, we go down. the three of us very rarely all travel to the same game. So we do, you know, we go back and forth. Like, well, who's going to get the rental car. And of course you just pass the buck and pass the buck and wait till someone finally does it. Crash to his credit gets it. But, and I don't know how many people listen to this who are frequent travelers, you know, you know, you have failed in the rental car car procurement when you have to walk into a physical building, right? That, this, that's usually what goes wrong there. And I can only describe it, Sarge, you and I were waiting outside. The rental car building in Detroit was like the scene from the Kabul airport at the end when everyone's trying to get out. I mean, it must have been I, what am I overestimating by saying like a hundred people trying to jam in to to, oh, to, to, to,
1: to, Avis, well, to to get a car? It was a bad look when I was like trying to grab onto that Buick Skylark, just, you know, clinging <laughs> to my life. Yeah. And, and I, <laughs> holding on to the rear view mirror.
2: Yeah, that, that was tough. Yeah, that was tough. Yeah. <laughs> Cratching in your defense, you did get a nice Honda Accord. It was a very sporty car.
0: We We did. No, I mean... First off, if you, anyone's listening has ever flown to Detroit, like the Detroit rental car like area is very dangerous. I mean our our, our shuttle almost had an accident because some guy just started backing yeah. out into the middle of the road it 's got those like angles and weird one ways and buses flying around anyway i mean I didn 't think it was that bad. Uh, you know, the budget line. I mean, holy cow. I mean, the Avis at least we didn't line, do
2: budget. That's true. We, we didn't do Good budget,
0: point. you know? Mm-hmm. And some guy was in line, like, oh, you know, the budget was like $5 less. Like, look at these suckers over here. But the yeah. best part by far is like, I'm like the next person about to be up. And some guy comes walking in and goes, car won't start. <laughs> and they just didn't care. They're like, oh, that's <laughs> nice. And they just went back to what they were doing. It was strange. It was almost like, they didn't realize Michigan and Michigan State were both going to be playing home
2: games. Yeah, that's probably a bad idea. Big Ten yeah. shouldn't do that schedule. Um, the other part about this is, like, people ask, how is Ann Arbor? How is Ann Arbor? Well, we, you know, we, you stay at the Detroit airport, you get, what, you get what you deserve. And we tried to go to Bob Evans to get a fruit hamburger, and that was a disaster. I mean, there's just a lot. Next year, if we do this again, Ann Arbor, let's stay in Ann Arbor. That's the final V. Yeah, I'm all for it. <laughs> all right, yeah, we're gonna be back. We'll be back at that bar with Max at the airport Married Hotel. I know that just that won't happen. It's
1: a good so it's, it's, it's a really, good, uh, it's a good go airport go. hotel. Yeah. And and a bar It's excellent. So to go back into to your one question, best uh, defensive performance when you when you look back on it, and you know, it's twenty seventeen Chris Ash era, but 14-12 against Purdue, the win. That's a good one. Uh, mm-hmm. Purdue was seven and six that year. They were fifth in the Big Ten in, 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 in total offense. You know, they hold them to 12 points in that game and you know, upset win. I know no one wants to remember the Chris Ashara, but you asked best uh, defensive performance since t- uh, 2014 against Michigan. Um, that's why my instinct was to say no. They probably had a couple others. I guess this was just unexpected to me,
2: especially after that first drive when they they run they run it 15 to 17 times. Every every carry seems to get six yards, and you're thinking to yourself, well, you yeah, know, forget it. Uh, I, I mean, I just love the I love the adjustments. I, I love the tackling in that game in the second in the second half. I thought overall, cratch, it was just. You know, a lot certainly a lot better than we've seen.
0: Oh, no doubt. I thought it was extremely impressive. I mean, after the first two series, I was like, this is this is gonna be ugly. You know, was that, that first Michigan series, they just ran the ball at will, and then the second one they, they, they got the passing offense going. I thought it was gonna be really bad. But credit to that defense, they really kind of settled in and they were a big reason why the offense played so well in the second half, because Michigan's defense kept on getting run out there after, you know, a couple right. minutes off.
2: Right, absolutely. Uh, All right, going back to Noah Vedrill. And I I know you guys, we love him. I think he's really, really playing at a high level uh, in that game, especially – you know, he had the one turnover late. He had the one bad throw late. It's funny, like his two worst plays of that game are right at the end. If he connects on that twenty-five-yard yard pattern, you know, there might be a, there might be a different game. Who knows? Uh, at the end of the game, then he fumbles. Otherwise, though, playing really well. Clearly, were Michigan was given you know given something in defense. You saw he could run with it, but man, he has taken a lot of hits. His,
0: no, he, he is, but like that offense is just works so much better when he is a rushing threat. So I, you don't want to go all in on it and have him carry the ball 20 times, but you can't take that out. I mean, you need that as a team to function. You kind of have to roll the dice away. I'll say one thing. I wrote this in the film review. His – the pass to Crookshank on the first drive of the game was, I think, one of the biggest plays I've ever seen Rutgers make. Because I was thinking about how many times uh, – the one that really sticks out in my mind was at Ohio State in 2018. I can't remember if it was 7 nothing or it was nothing-nothing – that first drive John McNulty has a good script. Like there are things available to Rutgers. He's kind of, you know, make plays and they have that pattern down, you know, across the field to Mojabi where he just drops a first down. And once he dropped it, you're like, okay, like here comes the 50, something to nothing loss. If Vedra doesn't hit Crookshank on that play where Aiden Hutchinson is about to bull rush uh, Holland Pierce and get the sack, and he stands tall. He makes the throw. If he doesn't make that play, it may have been 50-something to seven, I think. So that was a big play that Rutgers has just never made in these spots. Early on when they need to make one punch to show they can hang around, they made it on Saturday, and I think that really set the tone that they were going to give Michigan a game.
2: Because also, I thought there's a crookshank pass. Yeah.
1: You're going to see he also, the one I'm thinking
2: of, right? Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, that, that's exactly. After the uh, infamous, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the spreading of the tackles in the – the, uh, Yeah, just a bizarre
2: formation. formation.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh, Vedral, you know, received a day with that, uh, you know, third and long uh, pass. This is a dart. That was an amazing throw.
2: Yeah, and, he, and he exactly and he stay. He again. He managed to elude uh, just the, the pass rush right in his face. And, and how many times did the, the quarterback just go down there? You know, it would have been a disaster. Instead, he just hit just a perfect dart right to cruise, get a first down after the five yard penalty, which I thought was another great throw. Uh, again, Rutgers has many. You can say Rutgers has problems quarterbacking right now. Is certainly not one of them. Um, all right, do we want to talk about anything else? You want to talk about the the victory formation? I, I, I don't know. I mean, it just it just it's not a big deal. But man, it gives you a little bit of national attention. That for the for the for the negative side of it, I think I think opposing coaches hate it. And I don't know if it does anything. If it ever if it, Rutgers is convinced it's creating a turnover against somebody, you know, f- fifteen years ago. But uh, I don't know.
0: I just was. I was a little surprised after the first snap that they didn't, you know, put you know M- McNamara in a shotgun and just kind of, you know, snap it, take me that way. You take the. I mean, the snap's still there, but 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 then again, like Jim Harbaugh is the type of guy who like probably like found it amusing and like
2: right, yeah. uh, could run right.
0: into the fire instead of you know, fighting <laughs> it a...
2: might have worked. Yeah, be great if
1: you group send his running back. Oh, won't get this yard then. It Be hilarious. Yeah, it'd be yeah. In this day day of age of not you know, you know injuring players the percentage of, of look all you need to know is <laughs> no one else does it and you might say well you know, you know isn't that a good thing no it's not it's like you know when you're down you know 10, uh, 17 points. You, you get a touchdown in the final minute or whatever. You don't go for the onside kick there because you know in, you know if if the game's over, you just you know, you're not going to try to deliberately you know uh, do a play that that's going to injure the 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 opponent. Your, your percentage of getting a turnover, even if it happened 15 years ago, is is you know less than probably one percent. All right, let's dive into some insider questions. Uh, everyone,
2: thank you for subscribing. I got a new thing that we can ask you to subscribe to too. If you haven't signed up for our newsletter, uh, you really should. It gives you all the links in 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 a you know in the morning in your inbox. Uh, the, you know, the, the way to subscribe at the bottom of every one of our stories, go on there, type your email address, and you're in. You'll get it there every day, and it just saves you the trouble from having to, to search for them. So that's a great thing that we're doing now. Um, all right, so we get this question a lot. Rick in South Carolina wants to know, he says, I think the Michigan game moves the needle more than the first three games. Can you do an updated win-loss prediction, seeing that uh, there's not been a great showing by pretty much every other Big Ten team? I think a bowl game needs to now be the expectation. Sorry, you, you were saying seven and five, so I'll go to Cratch on this one. Uh, it, I mean, does it change it for you? you? You were four and eight to begin. Are you, do you still hover on the five line, or where, where, are you, where are you now?
0: So I think, I think they're going to beat Michigan State. I think I'm more confident that they can split northwestern and Illinois I'm not ready to call it a sweep yet just because I think people are you know it's hard to play against northwestern on the road and it's hard to play against Illinois on the road I, I think Illinois I mean I know they've had a couple losses after the season opener but you know Blues Purdue to Purdue 13 and nine like that's a team that has some talent and ability so yeah like I would say like I'm at five I mean I think Indiana to me is the really big key just because I don't know what to really make of indiana like i know people looked at they had a close win at western kentucky and people were like oh they stink well no i mean it's it's not easy to go to western kentucky you know it's a, a good program and win on the road so that to me like i'm still at the five six range i think there's a very good chance that they have five wins going into the season finale at maryland i think they're going to beat maryland so yeah like i i think at this point i think a bowl is a lot more possible and likely than i did a few weeks ago
2: Ireland's interesting now. I don't, they're like they're they're a team I really don't know what to make of I mean, every you know I, they're not I don't think they're good but then you know Tua Junior will throw over three hundred yards as well a lot of weeks so I mean that's they're clearly capable of moving the ball I mean that's not a gimme. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's if I had to answer the question, I think that's where you're going to be. You're going to be at five wins heading into that game. And there, it's, it's great. You have two bowl games if that's the case. If you win that one, that, that's like a bowl game and you get a, you get a second chance you do. So uh, I, I, I do agree with Rick, though, that this, that game did really move the needle more than the other three. Uh, all right. Uh, a lot of more questions. Let's go to this one really quick. Engie, any injuries of note on Saturday?
0: Uh, I do not believe so. No.
2: Yeah, they have decent health, which is a, which is a very good sign. Second Street year, they, for the most part, have gotten through the early part of the schedule with that one. Uh, well, of, of course, obviously Reggie Sutton is a big one um, that hurts, uh, but uh, at least in the game itself, I can't think of anyone that, uh, that comes out. Um, all right. Uh, Ohio State may be playing their backup quarterback. How much does that help Rutgers' chances on Saturday? Interesting that the line for that game, I think, was less than the line for the Michigan game, right? I mean, what,
1: Sarge, what, what do you think about that? He's a, you know, we're talking about Kyle McCord, who's uh, the son of a former uh, Rutgers uh, quarterback named Derek McCord, who played in 89 and 90, um, 90 and 91. um, um, And he played, I think, in in, um, seven games total. Um, started, uh, one started the, uh, Pittsburgh game in, in 90. Um, he mostly served as, as, uh, uh, you know, as a backup, but, um, Kyle McCord played, played really well this past week against Akron, uh, through for, uh, was, was efficient, uh, through for, I think over 300 yards and, um, C.J. Stroud is a starter. Uh, Ryan Day has been noncommittal as far as whether or not you know he's going to stick with him. C.J. Stroud was pretty good, you know, for the most part in the first three games. So I would expect that if this isn't a long-term injury that C.J. Stroud, you know, my, if I had to bet on it right now, I would say that C.J. Stroud is going to start based on the way uh, Ryan Day presented that injury a week ago. But, you know, it's interesting. You know, I mean, it's a good storyline. Kyle McCord, uh, you know, grew up in South Jersey, Mount Laurel, went to high school at a, a prep school in Philadelphia, um, it'd be a good storyline, um, you know. And you know what? What do we love more than anything? Storylines. It's interesting,
2: Cratch. Is there a good? Is there a good quarterback in the Big Ten? I mean, a second level good. Quarterback. It's not Cade McNamara. I think we saw that. It's not either the Ohio State guys, as far as I've seen. It's certainly, Graham Mertz did not look like one to I me. Mean, is there? Is there a great quarterback?
0: I don't really think so. It's. I, I mean, I'm. I'm racking my mind. I mean, you know, I. It's Pranit Peters can make it up, you know, it's just not. No, it's it's just it's it's an interesting kind of crazy year, and even you know Sean Clifford at Penn State, you know it's just no, it, there's not. But the one thing I will say is that if Stroud does play, you know for all this talk about how you know obviously Ohio State lost to Oregon, the defense has been abysmal. You know their offense is still Ohio State. Yeah, you know, best scoring offense in the Big Ten, total offense in the Big Ten. You know second in passing, second in rushing. You know first, you know best in third down. They're still an Ohio State offense that can score a lot of points in a hurry you know and you know the defense has been bad but then again the defense is really bad in 2018 and all they did was you know win the rose bowl so in the conference so i think that people i was stunned when that line came out i think probably maybe with some of it you know Stroud uncertainty maybe some of it's you know obviously people are excited and enthused by what ruckers at michigan but you know this is still a really 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 good football team ohio state (laughs)
2: All right. Uh, more questions. Diane, uh, who's one of our favorite readers, wants to know, uh, was the Julius Turner play, the, the targeting call legit? Uh, and was it initiated by the replay booth? Uh it, And I, I didn't pick up on this, crash. Maybe you, you watched the game again. Is that, if that's the case, is that the only penalty which can be initiated by replay? Uh, explain that to, you, to us. And if you thought the, the call was legit.
0: I'm not 100% sure on that rule. The way it- I thought it was initiated on the field. Like they, they called the roughing call and then a, a show who had a better angle said, Hey, they conference and said, Hey, we should look at this for targeting. I mean, look, the targeting rule needs to be changed. They need to uh, make it d- different degrees, make it not every, you know, so black and white, you know, if you do it, you get called for it, you're ejected. I don't think Julius Turner had a malicious intent. I think it was just a hard football play, but the bottom line is his hands were up high around, you know, McNair's neck and the one thing I will say if Rutgers wants to, you know, protest the call was it was to me kind of inconclusive whether there was helmet to helmet contact. I think there was, but there were a couple of, angles where he really couldn't tell if McNamara's head jerked back a little bit. So well, I think at the end of the day, like if a guy's hands and helmet are in the vicinity of the quarterback's head, he's going to get flagged for targeting. That's just the way it works. I think records should consider himself very fortunate that it happened late in the first half. So Turner is right back on the field against Ohio state on Saturday. So, yeah, I think they need to change the targeting rule, but the ref the officials with all the evidence they had and, and the rules and the way it is, it was the call. They're always going to make
1: there, don't we get, oh, go ahead. There were Sorry. calls. There were targeting calls. You know that that benefited Rutgers too last year. The targeting call, you're right. Probably needs to you know ha- have some leeway there. ESPN uh, Game Day did a great segment. They talked to the head of officiating. You know and you know that and and even he you know was. was looked at a bunch of them um including uh, one in the penn state auburn game that, that ejected the uh, uh, one uh, one of auburn's best uh, defensive players and and even he said you know conceded that call probably was, wasn't the right call so some of them some of them even when you look at replay you you, uh, 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 you know they don't get right but again there there were instances you know even last year where 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 Rutgers benefited from the uh, targeting call
2: and the defense played well after Turner left which is a good sign um all right. I love when we get random questions here, two random ones. Number one, do we still pay Chris Ash? <laughs> the answer is yes, but I, I, I'm curious if you guys know how much. Uh, and Number two, what do the different colored hats mean for the quarterbacks on the sidelines giving signals? I didn't, I didn't notice that. So if you guys have answers to either one of those, I'm interested to hear.
0: I, I can take both sides if you want um yes they're still paying Chris Ash I think the final day of Chris Ash's uh, contract is like February 28th 2023 so he's gonna be on the books a little bit longer as for how much he makes um, the way I understand it is uh, when he obviously he's with the Jacksonville Jaguars right now uh, Texas was supposed to pay him 800 grand this year to be their defensive coordinator so I think whatever Rutgers owed it's like it's point something million uh this year i think you take 800 grand away from that and that's what records will pay but it's also kind of hit or miss because obviously chris ash is now living in florida a state that has no income tax and he also is getting money from texas which has no income tax obviously new jersey has lots of taxes so uh, it could be does it does, yes.
2: Ah, so my my guess is
0: that he has a, a very good oh, accountant or lawyer who's figured out the maximum way for how much money the Jaguars need to give him, how much money the Longhorns need to give him, and how much money the Scarlet Knights need to give him. So it's very complicated.
2: Uh, good. Uh, how is the Jaguars secondary, by the way? Do we know? Camp.
0: I don't think very. I don't think they're very Camp good. The yes, I. Yeah. I would assume yeah. no. Oh, and the um, other color hats. Yeah. Yes. Uh, those guys are make signaling. You know. You know plays formations and such to Noah Vedrul. So uh, my guess is that one of those guys is the hot guy, which obviously we're not going to know. Only the Rutgers is going to know. And you know. Three guys are flashing signals, but obviously, you know, and say if the green hat is the hot guy, Noah Vedrill is reading the signals that the green guy is sending. So sort of like baseball with, you know, signs and everything, just kind of the new way they do it. Some teams use hats. Some teams use those big poster boards with like funny pictures on them. Some people use numbers. That's what Rutgers' system is. And I'm sure the hot guy changes, maybe even snap the snap.
2: All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Uh, I think that's most of the questions we've got. If we missed you one this week, let us, let me know next week and we'll make sure we get to yours. Um, all right. Let's go to the Ohio state preview. I mean, the Buckeyes look beatable. They are, they have been beaten. Um, I can't remember the last time I've, I've kind of gone into a Rutgers game where I wasn't 150% certain as to what the outcome was going to be. No, this, I do. This is the first time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that said, the fact that it's a backup quarterback, the fact that Ohio State looks beatable, Sarge, does it matter to you? Does it move the needle? Are you, are you thinking about this one? Which way are you going to pick?
1: I, I thought 15-and-a-half was incredibly, you know, small. Was it
2: 15-and-a-half? Is that right?
1: Yes, 15-and-a-half Caesars. Wow. I mean, I've seen it as high as 17 and, and low as 15-and-a-half, but I thought it was incredibly uh, low, small. Um, and – I, only only because, yeah, Ohio State lost, but they lost to Oregon, you know, a top what? Where, where's Oregon in your ballot? Pratch four? Three. Three. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, people have been saying, oh, you, you know, but no. Uh, it, I think they're still a long way away from, from, from actually beating Ohio State. And, yeah. you know, if we're coming out of the press box and Ohio State, you know, if Rutgers was within three touchdowns, 21 points, we're still going to probably come away feeling like, oh, okay, Rutgers achieved something last year. You know, they, they, they scored 27 points. Ohio State scored uh, 49. So um, that was 22. Right. Um, yeah. And we all thought, you know, it was a moral victory of sorts, but you know, it was the same, same type of deal. If Ohio State, you know, you know, wins by a similar score, we're probably all going to say, well, Rutgers, you know, has, has uh, come forward, but I think it's a long way f- from actually beating a team like Ohio State.
0: So, so a couple things. One, I mean, last year's game was also like I think thirty-five to three at halftime. You know, that was another right, Good great second yep. half rally effort. You lots know, of think, big plays,
1: lots yeah. of trick plays, yep.
0: trick plays. Yep. You know, uh, I think a lot of the, like, Ohio State, you know, vulnerability thing is pushed by Ohio State. I mean, you guys remember, like, when, when Greg got hired, you know, Rutgers, like, all the Ohio State kind of, like, and I was like, remember that year we were so horrible on defense, Greg? And, you know, we, we beat Michigan by, like, 40 points, and we won the Rose Bowl, but we sucked on defense. Like, that's kind of the way they push it. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think it, the thing about Rutgers is that, Rutgers is going to get to a point that they can beat Ohio State someday, and then it still might take like 10, 12 years to actually beat Ohio State. That's the kind of tough thing that they have to kind of grapple with moving forward. So that line surprised me. I'm surprised, I'm intrigued to see where the line lands on game day. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think this Ohio State offense is pretty explosive, and that Ohio State defense struggles. I think Rutgers can score points. I just think there's a, there's a better than not chance that Ohio State is going to score some points on Rutgers too. The other thing too is you know you can't really knock them. They're still you know playing really well, obviously, but no takeaways the last two weeks for Rutgers defense. Yeah, they need point. they they can't contend with Ohio State if they can't get the ball on Saturday. Yeah.
2: And I think you mentioned it too. Uh, you know, just the idea that they 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 have they proved I think they proved that they could play against Michigan without tricking it up. Uh, to get yards they have not proven that against a team like Ohio State so until we see that I guess uh, you know it's going to be hard to to pick them with confidence in a game like this Uh, I'll go first for a change because I'm on a two-game losing streak against the spread Uh, I think it's going to be over the 15 and a half that's what we're going with right now 15 and a half is the number is that what we decided Pratch? or is it 17?
0: I'll, I'll check right now yeah, you, right. you guys. You know, Francisco Audio. It, uh, oh.
2: Um, uh, in uh, uh oh. right, this is good radio. How do they get away with that? Can you imagine? Those I can't guys, like let I can't like two seconds go without there being someone talking. They used they to keep would...
0: the entire Tri-State area like waiting, sitting by the radio as they'd be like discussing. T V ratings for major events like Game Four yeah, NBA the Finals. Of uh, thought, yeah. What was uh Dallas, Mikey? Uh, I'm gonna say uh four four two. Houston. Houston, I'm gonna say uh, you know, four, five. <laughs> That's a four point two, Mikey. I don't, I don't
2: know what's going on there. Just keep going, Cratches. This is good. This is probably better than our predictions Did this, right?
0: Uh, uh, I'll get all these, like, cookie policies, you know. Like, Congress has got to stop. Like, I don't care about the cookies. I just need the betting line, guys. Oh, man, how many right. like, these guys are really racking up the page views here. Like, I got to click on, like, 19 different links.
2: I'm going to say, regardless of what you say it is, if it's 15 or 17, I'm going to take – I'm going to lay the points. I think Ohio State probably win by by three touchdowns. Uh, they're going to score a lot of points. Let's make it a a 42, you know, 21 kind of game for Rutgers.
0: Oh, I got it. Okay. It's oh, it is. Like it's, it looks like it's 15 and a half still. 15. Okay. All you know, right. Not moving. I'm sure it'll move. Uh, I'm going to say Ohio State wins 42 to 24. I think that's 17.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good.
0: No, that's uh, – Anyway, yeah, so, I, I think I think Ohio State will cover the 15.5 by like a point or two. So, if my math is wrong, I'll, I'll go 45, set 24. That that definitely is – that's 21. So, there we go.
1: Okay. I'll, I'll make two predictions here. One, that Ohio State is indeed the best team in the Big Ten, no matter what yeah. we think about Michigan or, or Iowa or, you know, anyone anyone else who might be you – know, Until proven otherwise, you're absolutely right. There. Four, yep. four straight Big Ten titles. The way they recruit, you know, it's just – and, again, they lost to Oregon. So, um Let's uh, leave a little perspective there. This is the best team in the Big Ten. Um, Rutgers will lose. Um, I, I like uh, uh, Cratchit's score. I don't know if they get to that many points. I think it will be 42-17.
2: All right, so we're all going the opposite direction of this one, which is probably a good sign for Rutgers. So uh, I, I get an email from a fan. We all did. Like, why do you guys – what is it going to take for you guys to pick – to be more positive in your picks. I'm like, if I knew what I was talking about, guy, I, mean, I would have quit this job a long time ago. But you should see my fan, you should see my balance on my fan account. I thought the Giants were going to win a game yesterday. That's how bad I am at this. So believe me, um, although the, you know pretty sure the Jets are going to lose the rest of them. So I, I got that one going for me. All right, anything else, fellas? We had a few big field hockey win. I think is that the sport that we uh, this week can, can Northwestern and
0: Princeton, yeah, big ranked wins. They uh, okay. rocking and rolling. Meredith Civico. I mean, really, I think one of the more you know, remarkable coaching stories of Rutgers kind of flew under the radar, but you know, she kind of got hired with very little experience by Tim Pernetti, and you know, they've she's really built a program there. They have really, you know, we talk all about the sports that have benefited from joining the Big Ten, they are one of them because you know, New Jersey has a lot of field hockey talent, and, and these you know, women can go to Rutgers, stay at home, and play in you know, the best field hockey league in the country.
1: Well, I'll give you one scene that I don't think I would have ever expected, have known politically for 20 years. and we're in the press box before the game um, and Pat Hobbs comes over and says hi and we're talking and somehow some way Politi asked this question to Pat Hobbs he said you know about the Rutgers field hockey team are they a national championship contender and Pat Hobbs said without hesitation yes he thought that they, they, they were so two things I mean one you know the fact that They've they've risen to become national uh, championship contender, and two Politi actually asking the the Rutgers AD whether or not they are indeed a national championship contender. Two completely stunning turn of events. It's nice you can just have chit
2: chat with people around Rutgers when you you know about things that are like that, right? And they're not because there's no like there's no blazing <laughs> <No doubt. pleasing>, blazing <laughs> tire fire in the corner that we're, we're trying to avoid talking about. But it's been that way for two years, so it's been great.
0: And also, Rutgers host the Big Ten field hockey tournament this year. Oh, so interesting! Another shot to have the first Big Ten title in school history one on campus.
1: And yeah, and guys. men's soccer. Men's soccer has been, you know, they lost. You know, uh, they, they lost. I think now they're six two and, and or six one and, and one now at this point. But uh, go read Brian Fonseca's story about the the program. And you know, I still think that they have a good, very good chance of getting the NSA tournament um you know but you know that's another team and women's soccer too women's soccer team uh, you know has, has risen to a point where they're a uh, uh perennial big 10 contender
0: steve uh yeah. division one field hockey final four this year guess where it is
1: oh
2: boy is Ch- chapel hill north carolina
0: no no. Ann Arbor, Michigan. <laughs> in We're Arbor, going to see Max.
2: Let's do it. We're going to stay at the Detroit airport, Mary, all three of us. We're going to do it. We're going to redo this trip. We're going to do it right this time. We're going to get the right rental car. We're going to get the right hotel. We're going to eat at a good restaurant in Ann Arbor. Come on, field hockey. Make it happen for us. Can you imagine we just we called Manahan and say, hey, guy, we, we, we need three people at the field hockey final four.
0: Rucker is playing Penn State on the off day, so maybe we could, like, private jet get over to uh state college
2: go back you know yeah that's great good good thinking all right i like this this is this is we've got promise here all right on that note let's sign off uh thanks everyone for listening thanks everyone for subscribing go log on and get that newsletter uh thanks to devco of course and uh, we'll see you after the house day game to wrap it all up bye-bye
1: thank you for listening to the Rutgers rant to participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.